Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to a Reckless Speculation Thursday. Reckless Speculation! Where we shamelessly throw out trade ideas. We welcome our insider friend Darren Doogie Wolfson to the show. And so we'll dive into all kinds of things, including how many first-round picks would it take to get Deshaun Watson in a Vikings uniform or any other uniform. Uh, But before we do anything, let's shout out Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated has been helping business owners in the state of Minnesota for over 100 years based in Owatonna. They are one of us, and they have brought their game to an even new level in 2021. Federated Mutual Insurance Company recently launched MyShield, the online client destination for risk management resources. As a business owner, how helpful would it be if you were to have employee training at your fingertips? Industry resources that can help your business reach another level of success. Think about the things that involve risk at your company. Company vehicles, for instance. Do you have a driving policy in place? Well, Federated and MyShield are here thinking about those things on your behalf. You can find out more information at federatedinsurance.com or download the MyShield app. If not, talk to your Federated Insurance marketing representative today if you have any questions. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Rebound comes down to Cole Anthony. One second, gets it away for the win at the buzzer. Are you kidding me? Oh, my goodness, does that hurt. Same way I always do it, you know, in a tough time. Is you continue to coach, you continue to attack the day, and, uh, you know, take care of tomorrow so that you can take care of the day after that, and that's that's the only way I know how. Um, you know, our group will be in there working tomorrow. Welcome into the show, Mackie and Judd, Declan producing, and Darren Doogie Wolfson from Five Eyewitness News. It's inside information about your favorite local sports teams. The Scoop with Doogie podcast you can find on Apple, Spotify, scorenorth.com. And uh, Duke joins us every Thursday as part of Reckless Speculation Thursday. And for the audio audience, for the radio and podcast audience, you didn't see the visual, but but uh, for the YouTube audience, we had Ryan Saunders. We actually played the the video clip of Ryan Saunders. Like we know Ryan pretty well, and we've we've seen him since he was you know a ba- a basketball player at was it Wyzetta? Dude, he looked he looked glazed over, and I don't know if it was just the disappointment of blowing a twenty point lead, but oof! I saw his body language, and I was like, whoa! Did you see the meltdown? Like if yeah. you if you saw the meltdown for for him to, to look that uh, shook is not surprising. That was by the Timberwolves standards, gents. Like th- this is the impressive context to the meltdown to me by their standards, which is some glorious losses. And by that, I don't mean good. I mean they lost that. This was near the top. Like you had to take the perfect sauce for putting together a recipe dukes for trying to lose and achieve it and they did we sat here gentlemen last thursday morning after they lost to memphis the previous night they had blown a double digit second half lead memphis was down morant jaron jackson jr justice winslow that was a head scratching loss that loss eight days ago to memphis doesn't compare to what we saw last night they had the ball with 2.55 to go, up 10. The win probability was 99.5%. Yet they somehow found 
a way to lose. They were up 16 late third quarter. They were up 20 early second half. Orlando wasn't making shots last night. Orlando is down key players. You can talk all you want about the Wolves. Make excuse after excuse. The Wolves are down, guys. Orlando last night was down two pretty key players. Now Fultz is out for the year with the ACL injury. And they were down three rotational guys. The other guy, Bamba, is at least a rotational guy. So that was a depleted Orlando roster. Ryan Saunders deserves heat because so, – so Jared Vanderbilt grabs that rebound with what, about six seconds, five seconds. Aaron Gordon, by the way, was, was wide open. Like we talk all we want about David Vanterpool eventually being an NBA head coach. David Vanterpool hasn't done anything here in Minnesota to convince me that he belongs as, as some team's head coach. I haven't seen a player that open in crunch time in forever. Aaron Gordon didn't have anybody within 10 feet of him, but he misses a wide-open three. The Wolves grab the rebound. They had two timeouts at that moment. Jared Vanderbilt is not a good free-throw shooter. Ryan Saunders, there was an official right next to him, like two or three feet away. Ryan instantly has to go timeout, timeout. You can't let Jared Vanderbilt hold the ball, then get fouled. It was inevitable. It just was that he was going to miss at least one. And in this case, he misses both free throws. Then Dave said, Ben says, unbelievable. No, Dave, it wasn't unbelievable. It's, it's the Wolves. It, it really wasn't, even though Cole Anthony, Cole Anthony is less than a 30% three-point shooter. He hasn't been making threes all season. He's, he's like falling this way, right? It doesn't help for, for the audio and podcast audience, but, but for the YouTube audience. He wasn't even, like, squared up, but you just knew. Like, didn't you know, Judd, we talked late last night. Didn't you know the second that Cole Anthony released that ball that it was going in, that Orlando was winning that game at the buzzer? And guess what? The Wolves deserved exactly what they got. Yes, because, like, D'Angelo Russell was non-existent in the fourth quarter, right? Like, Vucevic takes over late in that game because they can't offer any resistance in the paint. It's it's a messed-up roster. At the moment, minus Cat, they don't have a capable five-man or a capable four-man. I like Vanderbilt's potential, but I can't say right now play Jared Vanderbilt 30 minutes at the four. Nas Reed, sure, five, six minutes a night, but I don't want Nas Reed, especially on the defensive end, playing 30-something minutes. They don't have a capable five-man or four-man. Ed Davis is is a smart guy. He helps in, in some aspects, but Ed Davis is really not a functioning NBA player at this point. He looks like a buyout candidate to me. Maybe he ends up back in Brooklyn in a couple weeks when when teams start to buy guys out because that's that's the way this thing is trending. And they are the worst team in the Western Conference. I get it. They are the youngest team in the Western Conference. But guess what? Memphis found a way last year when they were incredibly young to win games. So I'm not, I'm not all in on, on, you know, this being the youngest roster that, that it's all about them being young. There are still so many mistakes, so many mental breakdowns. Is it the way that the Wolf staff is, is coaching these guys or lack thereof, or are these guys mentally incapable of grasping what, what the Wolves coaches are, are trying to teach them? Whatever it is, I can just tell you this roster is incredibly broken. If you want to call for Ryan Saunders' head, fine. Go for it. I appreciate your passion. I'm glad that you're not apathetic at this point. But let's not let's not let Gerson Rosas off the hook. The Ricky Rubio trade looks like a disaster. They gave up a draft pick for Ed Davis when he was going to be bought out. So that was that was an asset they gave away that they didn't need to give away. I told you guys about Jared Culver. Culver has a good game against Detroit, has a good preseason. I get all these Twitter mentions saying, Doogie, you're a fool. You're a moron. <laughs> You don't know what you're talking about, about Culver. Yeah, funny, those people don't even exist in my timeline anymore. I told you, you trade Jarrett Culver when you can because I don't see it. The Wolves moved up for Jarrett Culver. Like, there are a lot of swings and misses for Gerson Rosas. So if you want to slam Ryan, fine, slam Ryan. But I'm just telling you, Gerson Rosas has not done Ryan any favors. I want to read you guys a quote here. This was D'Angelo Russell after the game last night. And I'm getting this from, from The Athletic is where I'm uh, pulling this particular quote. And I just before I read this quote, I want to piggyback off something that the Doogie was talking about, which is the the idea of this roster was supposed to be that they were young, bunch of athletic inter- interchangeable parts, right? Like 
the vision for this team wasn't that they were going to win 50 games. It wasn't that they were going to maybe, I don't even think they had aspirations of making the playoffs necessarily this year, but I think it was. Well, Glenn Taylor did. Jake Lehman did. I mean, others behind the scenes, Phil, did. Well, whatever. They absolutely did. I'm glad. So, I'm glad. Not Jake everybody. Lehman. It wasn't universal. But Glenn Taylor, the owner, is on record saying his expectation is the playoffs. Well, now I'm out on Jake Lehman after he thought that the Wolves were going <laughs> to yeah, win the Yeah, that's the final straw. Yeah, that's that was the final straw for me. Um, so, but I think I think the thought was let's just let, let let's get a bunch of interchangeable parts, wing players, guys who can move up and down the court. Anthony Edwards, Jarrett Culver, right. And uh, and and let's put Carl Anthony Towns in the middle of it. And in fairness, like Carl Anthony Towns has barely played this season, so that that's a huge that's a huge thing that needs to be taken into account. But when I see this quote from D'Angelo Russell, all right, where he says, "quote We're in a state of mind where we relax in the fourth quarter. The last three minutes of the game, we relax a little bit. We don't lock into the scouting report." All right. Well, if we're talking about the 2001 Los Angeles Lakers coming off a three-peat and you got you want to relax a little bit against the Magic in a you know in a mid-January game, that's okay. If you are if you are the LeBron James Dwayne Wade Heat from 10 years ago and you've won back-to-back titles and you're the best players in the NBA and you want to kick it, just you want to just sort of kick your feet up with 3 minutes left in the in the fourth quarter against a garbage team, I'm okay with that. When you have one playoff appearance as a franchise since 2004, when you have two playoff series wins in 30 years of existence, you don't get the luxury. I don't care if these guys weren't around for you know the better part of that Timberwolves uh, failed generation, but like you don't get the luxury of relaxing in the fourth quarter. That is such a huge indictment on everybody: Gerson, Ryan, D'Angelo, like. Where is the leadership and where is the drive? At absolute worst, this team was supposed to be filled with energy and youth and was going to be pesky, and they are none of those things, Doogie. No, they're not. That quote from D'Angelo Russell is laughable. He's not a leader. I'm sorry. If you talk to people in Golden State, in Brooklyn, in Los Angeles, there's a reason why he's on his fourth team. He is an elite shot creator and oftentimes an elite shot maker. But is he worth $27 million a year? Heck no, he's not. He doesn't make his teammates better. He doesn't play a lick of defense, although we've actually seen him have a pulse a little bit in recent weeks on defense. But for the most part, he's not a defender. He doesn't attack the rim, although he started to do that a little bit for a few uh, games uh, recently, but not so much last night. I think we're starting to see more and more. We've talked about this, and we'll continue to talk about it, that that at the time of the trade in February, I took a poll of of 10 to 12 league executives that that I've access to via text message. It was about 50-50. 50% said, I'll take Wiggins, even with his warts, because of the first-round pick attached. I don't want anything to do with D'Angelo Russell. And then 50% said, yeah, why not? That's Cat's guy. Sure, roll the dice. I'll admit. At the time, I said, do the trade. So I'll admit that. I said I would have done the trade. But can you imagine if whenever the draft is, in in August or whenever, later this year, if the Wolves have to give the Warriors pick four, pick five, or pick six, it's top three protected. Can you imagine that train wreck if the Wolves have to do that? I'm just saying we're seeing that that if D'Angelo Russell is your alpha or your number two guy, in all likelihood, you are not going to be a good team. The outlier year is a couple years ago in Brooklyn. He was the alpha. Now, I think his supporting cast was markedly better than what we have here. But but the comeback is that that Nets team started 8-18, eight and 18, and it was in the weaker conference, the Eastern Conference at the time. He actually found a way to vault them up to the sixth seed. They made the playoffs with him as the alpha, and they made the playoffs as the sixth seed. But I'm telling you, That's the outlier. That was a mirage. That is not the trend. I'm telling you, talk to people across the league. They will tell you, you are not going anywhere if D'Angelo Russell is one of your main players. So, Dukes, at 3-10 and now, with uh, Cat having obviously been out for the majority of the time, how much trouble is is Ryan Saunders potentially in now? Because I do think that that despite the fact that you could easily say, well, it's not fair because Cat's not playing, blah, blah, blah. There is a comeback that when push comes to shove, there have now been enough instances to see 
that he might be a good head coach one day, but right now there's, as you documented, there's situations where he is clearly in too deep. How much trouble do you think when, when we're talking about a team that loved his dad, that loves him, and that's still owned by a guy who, you know, clearly gave him this break, how much trouble this morning is Ryan Saunders in or should he be in? I expect him to be on the practice court when they practice later today. So I don't sense that a firing is is imminent. Here is the damning stat. They've had a decent lead six times in the fourth quarter this year. They've only won one of those games. So when you've lost five games with a decent lead in the fourth quarter, that is horrendous. I can tell you, I have a very strong sense, Judd, that internally there are those in the front office asking questions about whether Ryan is capable of of really, really leading this team to the promised land. Do I think, though, that Gerson is on the cusp of calling Glenn to seek permission to fire Ryan? No. And, oh, by the way, do I think that Glenn is happy with Gerson? Heck no. So I don't think Gerson is, is ready to, to, to pull that off. Then guess what? Then what do you do? You make Vanterpool the interim coach? Already established. He's not worthy of being the interim coach. You make Gates the interim coach? No, I'm sorry. That, that doesn't fly with me. You know, but if you, if, you, if you play that card, if you're Gerson, then all the heat's on you. So I think there's, there's reason to actually keep Ryan in place if, if you're Gerson. You mentioned Cat. Let's not forget that that Cat loves Ryan right now. We can argue that that Ryan is too much a player's coach. I've talked about this before. I'll reiterate it that at some point Ryan has to coach these guys harder, including Cat. So Ryan has a ways to go, but Cat thinks the world of Ryan. Ryan is the ultimate player's coach for for better or worse. So he still has the support of that locker room. So to me, as long as he has the support of the locker room, even though it's a it's a very broken roster. It's not like he's lost that locker room. So I don't think a firing is is imminent, nor do I think a firing should be imminent. I'll fully admit my bias that that Ryan is somebody I've known. Phil, you said, I mean, former Wyzetta High School player. I mean, I've I've known him, and and we have mutual friends going back many, many years. So I get it. I I understand, you know, when people say fire Ryan. And and my comeback is, and if you want to call an excuse, fine, but he's coached D'Lo and Cat for five games together. And I just laid out that, that you're not getting anywhere with D'Lo as a main player. But in all fairness, I would like to see Ryan have a chance to coach D-Lad and Cat, uh, D'Lo and Cat, for more than five games together. Yep. Let's formulate some strong opinions after the year. If you want to cut the cord on Ryan after the year, fine, so be it. Let's also not forget that, that Ryan, if he's not the lowest paid coach in the NBA, he's 28th or 29th. So they're saving some money in that regard. Like, who are you bringing in at this point? You know, like if you're going to bring somebody in like a Kenny Atkinson, you know, somebody of that ilk, you would probably do it after the season anyway. So let's let this season play out. Let's see how Edwards develops. Let's see how McDaniels develops. I mean, that was that was one positive from last night. The, the kid they got from Washington with the 28th pick, he showed some flashes last night. Let's see how these rookies develop. You know, I think a lot of this year now at this point, because it doesn't look like it's realistic for them to, to vault into the top 10. A lot of the rest of this year is about how do Edwards, you know, how does Edwards develop? How do these young guys, even though I've, I've, you know, formulated a pretty strong conclusion on Culver, but Culver's in that mix. Culver, Edwards, uh, McDaniels, you know, those guys, let's, let's see how they develop. And, and if we see in, in two or three months that those guys have developed, maybe you make a case, you know what, Ryan's done a good job. You bring him back for, for next season. But I'm just not to the point of saying today, this morning, it's time to fire Ryan. Yeah. So it, it 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 does feel like a stretch uh, just real quick and then we can talk twins here. It does feel like a stretch to say that all right. And I and I do acknowledge Carl Anthony Towns is one of the best offensive players in the league and he makes a huge huge difference, but there just seems like too much erosion outside of Cat. It, it's not like, you know, it's not like bringing Cat back fixes a lot of the crap that you've seen in and around these fourth quarters and second halves magically. There's just there's a lot of eroding foundation that that they have a lot of work to do with or without Carl Anthony Towns. Well, let me make one more point on Edwards. I worry, like, is this the right environment for him to truly grow? I have serious concerns about that. 
So I'm talking about the rest of the year. A lot of the rest of the year is about how Edwards specifically develops. Can he really develop, uh, develop in this climate? I'm just saying, I I, I don't know. I, I worry about that. You know, I go ahead, Judd. Go ahead, Judd. And I have, I have a, a nugget. No, I was just going to say, it's so Wolves. And, and it all, everything that we are talking about right now, uh, unfortunately, right or wrong, pushes your star player to saying, bleep this. I'm done here. I can't do this. I mean, every right because he he's not he's not go- going to say you know what I need to do I need to get uh, back to work and develop D'Lo and, and Ant and I need to do this he's eventually going to say I got a lot of friends in this league some of them play for Phoenix which is warm all year round yeah. I'd really like to be in Phoenix dude how, seriously how, how about this on on Edwards because I share that I don't like to hit the panic button after thirteen games but his so his. The biggest knock on him coming out of college was uh, a bit of a volume scorer, you know. And some people were saying, "Well, it's it's not that he can't shoot or make shots; it's just that he, you know, he he was the only player on his team, and so he would take a lot of contested shots." Like, all right, well, let's see. Well, let's go through some of the numbers through thirteen games. He's shooting thirty five percent from the floor. Period. Um, he can't make a three pointer at at a professional clip. And this is the one that I think bothers me the most because, like, what can he do? Well, he can get to the rack. And, and he's a guy that can sort of get anywhere he wants and create shots. He has missed half of his shots from point blank range this season. Inside three feet, according to basketball reference, he has missed half of his shots from three feet to ten feet. So, again, like, get inside the paint, get up close, get a shot that you like close to the hoop. He's shooting 23% from inside ten feet up to three feet, according to basketball reference. And, like, And every time... he. He drives, he thinks he gets fouled. Like, every time he looks like, I was fouled. It's like, that's not how this league works, dude. You're not going to get the foul call every time. Just go, just take the contact and keep going. He will, though, get more calls as as time goes on. I think, I mean, those numbers are alarming, Phil. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not not convinced the the three-point shot is going to be fixed anytime in in the near future or even distant future. I do think the, the the percentage at the rim, it's going to go up. He he's going to make more shots at the rim. And there is something to be said about about spacing in the NBA compared to what he saw at Georgia. I'll tell you what though. I mean, I worry about, you know, the defense. I mean, he's he's physically gifted, but can he grasp everything mentally? You know, I mean, is he is he a smart player? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I need to see more in that regard. He's still young, right? I mean, he's nineteen years old. Right. He turned 19 in August. He could have been a freshman in college this year if, if he wanted to be. So I'm not ready to say nothing there. But pre-draft, I was on the James Wiseman bandwagon. Everything I've seen from Golden State watching Wiseman, Wiseman is going to be really, really good. I still think in, in three, four, five years, when we look back at this draft class, Wiseman is going to be number one. And if not number one, maybe number two. He's going to be above Edwards. So. You know, that's that's not me, you know, hindsight saying they made a mistake. Wiseman was my guy. I would have tried to play the two bigs together. Anthony Davis played with, with a big in L.A. a ton last year. Worked out fine. I know the Spurs was many years ago, but it worked with Duncan and Robinson. It's not like you can't play two bigs together, but the Wolves don't want to do that, so they didn't really pursue that much with Wiseman's camp. You know, they tried to get a meeting with them, but maybe they could have pushed further, pushed getting all the medicals, really done their, their due diligence on on maybe drafting James Wiseman, but they concluded early on they just they didn't want to play with with the two bigs. I mean they locked in on Edwards pretty darn early, you know. But I'm just saying I think the numbers fell. I think they will go up as time goes on. Like I'm not ready to say like he's a lost cause or or anything like that. Not that you did, but but I'm not there yet. But the shot is ugly. It just is, you know. And and I don't know how the, how they fix that in the next one to two years. <sighs> All right, so the Wolves are a mess, train wreck. Let's get to a team that is active, that's aggressive, a local team that is really working hard, the Twins. I mean, J-Hap, man, (laughs) crafty, I believe, 38-year-old Southpaw, one-year Dukes. Talk to us about the fact that the Twins have clearly yesterday put their foot down and said, we are adding a fourth or fifth starter, and there's nothing the rest of baseball can do about it. Well, before I offer my analysis, I will ask the two of you. Would you rather have Jay Happ or 
Jose Quintana. So Quintana goes to the Angels, same contract, one year, $8 million. Now, I don't think there's a sizable difference between Quintana and Hap. I'll let you guys think about it for a second. But my own opinion is I would rather have Quintana for 2021. Quintana's camp tried to engage the Twins. It was more them calling the Twins, and the Twins were were not being receptive. The Twins did not have interest in Quintana. But me personally, I would rather have Quintana than Hap. You know, Quintana, I I think the reason I would rather have Quintana is – He's younger, for one, by almost a decade, so that fact, <laughs> that factors in. Um, and he, I, I just remember him with the White Sox at his best for like four or five years. was one of the, the sneakiest, most durable, underrated starting pitchers in all of baseball. Um, I, so I just feel like there, it's less likely that Jose Quintana, even though he's had some, it's not like he's been, you know, Mr. Durability um, the last few years. in terms, like he, he got sent to the bullpen by the Cubs at one point. But I think he has a better chance of giving you like 32 good starts than Hap does if if they play a full season. So I mean, they're listen. I actually don't have a Judd kind of mocks the Hap signing. Like, is Hap going to put you over the top of the White Sox? No, but like you need to fill out your rotation, and he's a professional pitcher. I mock the approach. He's yeah. a he's a good pitcher, but it doesn't mean like if if you sign Hap and you lose Nelson Cruz and like this is where I have a problem. Well, you said it was eight million dollars for Hap Dukes, one year eight. It's eight million. I'm with right. you, Phil. If He's it prevents you from starter, it, it's fine. This can't be it, though. They need to still do a lot more. I'm convinced that that more is coming, but is it the right more? But but just this one singular move right now, it doesn't overly bother me. It's it's fine. They swung and missed on on some other starters, Charlie Morton and Corey Kluber, to name two. So I mean, they tried to make some offers, and and those guys just didn't take those offers. So you know, as you go down your list. Hap is fine as, as a number four, but they need to do more. But I'm just saying, me personally, because I found it interesting that Quintana agreed to the same deal. So it's an easy comparison, Quintana-Hap. I'm just saying, me personally, yeah. I'd rather have Quintana. I just think, like, at some point, I always wonder when you Nick, when you, when you you get these $8 million here for a number four starter, like, if any of this money prevents you from bringing Nelson Cruz back, then it's not worth it. I would rather have Nelson. I'm not saying it's neither or, but it might be. If Nelson Cruz signed somewhere else because you know another team made a better offer and you could have used that eight million dollars over a couple of years to boost Nelson's offer, I'd rather have Nelson Cruz. He's more impactful the next couple of years. Well, I mean, then you would have Dobnik as your number four and, and Smelter or somebody else as your number five. I'd rather do them all. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not spending a ton here. I I'm not if if I sign Hap and I sign Cruz. Look, the thing about Hap that I think is a bit. Um, where I joke is this. The Twins don't need to keep signing guys, pitchers my age, okay? Like, they just don't need to. Like, sign younger guys, that's fine. But, like, Rich Hill, God bless him. He's, like, was born a day after I was. Um, <laughs> you, you know, uh, Homer Bailey, right? But if you are the Twins and you are looking at what the White Sox are doing, and I get dudes that were in a pandemic, and I get that there have to be financial considerations made because of all of that, um, but I don't think it's too much to say, sign Cruz, sign Hap, like four guys. I'm not asking you to go out and break the bank, but I am saying I don't understand how you can look at what the White Sox are doing and just sort of piecemeal things and say it's going to be fine. And if they let Cruz walk, I think they should take severe heat. I really do. He's been as productive as you could possibly be. Yes, he's old too, uh, but he has done nothing that doesn't, that screams, you know, it's time to go. He has done everything that screams, this is a glue guy, both on the field and off, and you should really, really work hard to keep him and sign him. Well, the way it's trending on Cruz is he's going to land elsewhere. Now, all it takes is one new call. Thad Levine is is leading the charge on these negotiations. All it takes is one new call, one new offer. So I realize it can change. I'm on record on on a few podcasts saying I can see a scenario. Now, this is going back 7 to 14 days, but I said then that that I can see a scenario where, where Nelly Cruz is back here. I know he has really enjoyed his time here. So I think all things considered, He'd like to be back, but he's not coming back on a team-friendly deal. If the Dodgers or the Padres make a better offer, he's heading to Southern California. Now, we're still awaiting clarity. Still, to this day, (laughs) January 21st, 
we're still awaiting clarity whether the National League will have the DH this year. But if they do, those would be two teams to keep an eye on. You know, but but in the American League, if the DH is only in the American League, now the White Sox actually have kicked the tires. You know, I think Toronto, I mean, we saw Toronto try to sign Michael Brantley. That fell through. Toronto might be might be interested in, in Nelly. So I actually think there's more of a market than other uh, people in town think there is. Like I know one Twins beat reporter opined that that he doesn't really feel like, at least in the American League, that, that there are suitors, that it's the Twins or bust. I, I feel good suggesting that that is incorrect, that, that there are some suitors. But I don't think firm offers have been made yet. You know, so it, it could change. But I'm just telling you, you know, let me just brace Twins fans for, for the possibility that at this point. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, the way it's trending, Nelly Cruz is, is going to land elsewhere. Yeah. All right, empty the bag, dudes. Rapid fire scoops here. What do you got? Well, just continuing the Twins theme, they were among the finalists on Kirby Yates. I don't have the particulars on what they were willing to pay him. Were they willing to go as high as $5 million, $5.5 million guaranteed with another 3 to 4 in incentives? You know, with some of those being, you know, pretty reachable incentives as long as he stays healthy. I don't fully know if the Twins were willing to do that. My sense is Toronto outbid everybody, that, that Kirby took the money from, from Toronto. But the Twins were in it until the end on Kirby Yates. The Twins on Friday made Corey Kluber an offer, but his rehab guy works for the Yankees, right? So he takes the one-year $11 million. But my understanding is the Twins made him a very competitive offer. So they wanted. Corey Kluber. They've talked parameters of a deal with with Joaquin Soria. You know, so I mean, they keep kicking the tires. I mean, they still have interest in Semyon Simmons. You know, they've they've talked, or at least the name Ozuna's come up, and Duvall, and, and some of these other bats. And in, in the in the event that that Nelly Cruz goes elsewhere, I mean, certainly the Twins need to have a contingency plan. I'm just saying this: more is coming. I don't know how much more is coming, but more is coming. There's there's a report from from Japan, if you trust the, the, the Google translation, that the Twins are are showing a bunch of interest in Masahiro Tanaka. Now, I can tell you, as of yesterday morning, I can tell you this with 100% certainty, the Twins have not made Tanaka an offer. Maybe they will eventually, but as of yesterday morning, the Twins have not made Tanaka an offer. I'd love to see Jake Odorizzi back. It's what we've talked about going back six weeks. Other teams are being more aggressive, but what the heck does that mean because Jake is still out there. So these other teams, Toronto and, and what have you, can be aggressive all they want. If he hasn't accepted their offer, you know, he's still out there. But the Twins have not made Jake Odorizzi an offer as of 24 hours ago. But I'm just telling you, more is coming. I can't pinpoint exactly when, but at some point here in the coming weeks, the Twins will add more talent. <laughs> yeah. I hope they will. That is they need to. Darren... Well, they know. God, they know. They have payroll limitations they will not have the same payroll right. that they had heading into last year not the payroll for the for the condensed season but the payroll you know right. heading into spring training last year it's not going to be the same yep. the payroll is going to be less this year but mm-hmm. they still have some flexibility to make moves so i know a lot of twins fans are pissed off right now but there still are a lot of free agents out there so i'm just telling you more is coming that is Darren Doogie Wolfson. He's our friend from Five Eyewitness News, and you can find his Scoop podcast every week on Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com. Inside information about your favorite local sports teams. Doogie, good stuff, man. We'll Great see you stuff, next week. Doogie, that was fun. Thank you, Phil. I'm recording a new Scoop podcast later today. I caught up with Leslie Frazier one-on-one yesterday, nice. so that will be on the podcast. Nice. I caught up with Tracy Clays the other day, the former Gophers coach. He still is pissed off in many ways about how, how everything shook out here when he lost his job early 2017 but he also said hey he's learned to live life with with without anger so he played it both ways but Tracy <laughs> but he's still was fantastic. Tracy <laughs> told me by the way with all the free time he now has because he's retired at 52 although the right offer would bring him back but Tracy's like Doogie call me anytime so I might have Tracy as a regular come come college football season just to analyze the Gophers and some other teams he was great so I'll have Tracy Clays and nice. Leslie Frazier on the podcast I'll record later today. Tracy and Dugs coming your way on <laughs> Score North and Five Eye Witness News. All right, Doogie, we'll Thanks see you next week. See ya, man. All right, see you, boys. Bye. Reckless speculation. Can we be up here freezing my ass? I'll uh, <laughs> enjoy the winter.
Hey, you know what, Tracy? Hey, you know what, Tracy? You're you're pissed off about being fired here. I'm still pissed off about the the Halloween meltdown that you orchestrated against Michigan. Yeah. The okay. Cl- the, the, the clock's running. Let's so snap this the goes, ball. So this goes two ways, Tracy. Yeah. We can all be pissed off. Okay. Yeah, and I've not learned to live with that loss because that was an awful loss. I need to hear that episode where he where he's like he's gone through like anger management or something. I don't I don't harbor any anger, but damn it. But, <laughs> but, damn, but I'd like to tell that those golf or something. Um, okay, on on the twins, real quick here. So two thoughts. I'm act, it sounds like I'm more okay with the hap signing than you are, but I have a I want to put an asterisk next to my opinion. Right. Okay. And just to be clear, I'm okay with the signing. I'm not okay with the so far off season approach. Correct. I'm with Judd here. Yep. So so let me So let, I'm not mad about J Hap. Let me let's like crystal clarify what I how I feel about this and you guys tell me your thoughts. So the twins definitely need starting pitching help. Like you need five good starting pitchers. You're probably gonna need seven starting pitchers because that's how baseball works. And not all of them are going to be Kenta Maeda and Jose Barrios level good. You're not going to get five Max Scherzers. Like, right. ideally, they'd be in the mix on Trevor Bauer. I don't know if they are. If they got Tanaka, that uh, he, Tanaka is not Bauer, but Tanaka is a playoff rotation caliber guy. Or bring guy. back Jake. Um, like, I take that. Is it? Yep. So, so there, are, there are still things to be done, and you're not going to have, like, one through five ace pitchers. So you're going right. to need guys like Jay Happ, who, who's just been a good professional pitcher for, like, 15 years. Because um, right now, your rotation is Barrios. Maeda in some order, Michael Pineda, durability issues, mm-hmm. and Randy Dobnak, who I don't want anywhere near the top four spots in my rotation. If he wants to battle for the fifth spot, that's okay. And so Hap, Hap comes in here and at least makes it so that you've got four professional established pitchers, a couple guys who have shown ace tendencies, yeah. and then you can figure out. So from that standpoint, yeah. great. Here's my problem. Jay Hap, Michael Pineda, who they added a few years ago, these guys don't move the needle necessarily in terms of you winning a playoff game for the first time in almost two decades, right? They don't, those guys definitely help you on your quest to 90. And so that matters to, to the extent that sure. you know, they need to get back to the playoffs before they can win a playoff game. But where I am miffed is, and this goes back years, the twins love placing smaller bets across multiple places. Like they'd rather, it seems, with Terry Ryan and even lately with Levine and Falvey, they did spend big on on Donaldson and they deserve credit for that. So it's not a hundred percent. But a small bet on Robles and then a small eight million dollar bet on Jay Happ. It's like if those small bets prevent you from bringing one of the best hitters in baseball back, and I get that he's almost forty, but so is Happ. Okay, like you already. You're, and so was Rich Hill. Yeah. So if those small bets prevent you from making a big, impactful bet on a guy that can help you hit a double in a, in a key situation in a playoff game, yeah. that's where I have a problem. So to answer Doogie's question, well, would you rather have Cruz and then like Devin Smelter as your fifth starter? Actually, yes. Yes, because the difference between Nelson Cruz and like rookie Brent Rooker is a Grand Canyon, I think. And the difference between Jay Happ and like your best number five minor league starter that you would just rotate through is not as wide of a gap. Nelson Cruz right. can win you a playoff game. Jay Happ probably doesn't start a playoff game. But Jay Happ, so, the signing of Jay Happ should have absolutely no impact in the conversation of what's going to be done big picture to improve your team. It's a depth move. I'm tired of the Twins and this current regime seems to like this and I get it as depth moves but that's all these are I'm tired of them going to the used car lot mm-hmm. and coming back with a rich hill there's a is that a Homer Bailey god that was great a few years back let's try and drive that car and now yeah. J app uh 14 years into his career at the age of 38 is the exact same thing if J Hap, if our conversation today was hey you know what They've made some moves. They bought. They brought back Cruz. That's all great. And Jay Happ's been signed. That's awesome. Depth signing. Go for it. Very very cool. But this is this is the equivalent to me uh, of the Vikings signing uh, like a backup corner. Oh, you know what? I've heard of him. He was good back in the day, and perhaps he can add something in the nickel package occasionally, right? But this is. But when you look at what the White Sox have done. And you look at what the Twins aren't doing, and again, I will say this. Aside from Phil, the Padres, the Mets, uh, the Blue Jays, 
and White Sox, the majority of baseball is doing what the Twins are doing as well. The frustration is the amount of players who are out there, and and you know we are gearing up for the majority of teams to find out when spring training is going to start. It's going to start at some point, and then the market is still going to be flooded with players who these teams are going to try to sign cheap. And it's frustrating to watch the Twins do this to me because, one, they've lost 18 consecutive playoff games, and two, they're a good team. Like, they should be pouncing more. I'm not saying they got to go spend crazy, but they should be. We J-Hap right now is a foundation off-season signing for the 2021 Twins. As of right now, yeah. As yeah. of right now, that's a problem. Yeah. He's a depth signing. He's a backup. Yeah. And so I, that's and my frustration. It's not Jay Happ. It's the approach. I'll add this too. What, what year are we going into with Falvey and Levine? Is this year five, I think? 17, 17 was their first year. 18, 19, 20. So this, this is year five. five. We're going yeah. to year five here of yep. Falvey and Levine. Who, who, by the way, I think are great. I think I think those guys have done a great job building building this thing back from 100 losses and building it into, like, you've, you've got a farm system that you, you've got some top guys. Um, they've developed... Tyler Duffy into an elite reliever through the the scouting practice. They've they've bolstered and brought the Twins into the next century in terms of player scouting and development. So they've done a lot of good things, and the Twins have been a playoff team and relevant, and those are all good things. But the biggest skill set that Falvey brought to the table coming from Cleveland was pitching development and and being able to fill that pipeline with internal guys, and and you'd have. You'd have these guys coming through the system and becoming part of your major league rotation. We're going into year five of Falvey and Levine. And Jose Barrios, uh, he was already a major league pitcher when they got here. Kenta Maeda, veteran signing. Michael Pineda, veteran signing. Actually, uh, Maeda was a trade. Jay Happ, Rich Hill, Homer Bailey, veteran signing, veteran signing, veteran signing. I want to know, like, where are the really good young arms developed from within that and another benefit to those guys is they only cost like $550,000 a year to your payroll yeah. until they hit arbitration like where are those guys are they all just like failing as starters and becoming relievers i mean Jorge Alcala they have they determined that he's a failed starter but they're drafting and it seems like they lean towards drafting bats more well but they've been i mean they've been I mean, signing they, they draft, and drafting pitchers yeah. through and through the international, like like Yon Duran is a guy that so Yon Duran is is one of their two best pitching prospects. Jordan Balazovic is still in A ball, and he's kind of depends on which which ranking you look at. But but Yon Duran has pitched at Double A now, and I think the pandemic year threw a wrench into this because like he probably would have just like been up last year if he could pitch in the minor leagues for three months. Mm-hmm. Like that guy needs to be a part of your rotation. In 2021, at some point, sure, he probably needs to be in your rotation by like June or sure. July for me. I I will I will do a a hard turn on this team in a bad way though if Cruz walks. I think allowing Nelson Cruz to walk uh, from this current roster, as far as what he brings again, like I told Doogie, on and off the field, yeah. is a massive mistake. And I know he, he's old, and I know that the cliff will eventually come. Uh, but there has been no sign that he is on that cliff now. I mean, it's not like he had a bad year. He did He did not. He has had back-to-back uh, very impressive years. And I will tell you from the character issue of observing that team itself and saying if you allow Cruz to walk and now Donaldson becomes probably the predominant voice, that guy is wound as tight as you could possibly be. And Cruz, I think, offset that. And both personality types are fine. But if it's the Donaldson personality type that dominates that club, I don't know that that's a great idea. And so there is there is no good reason for me uh, for for Falvey not to have gone to Polad and said, you know what, I understand the payroll is coming down. I get it. It's a pandemic. It sucks. The only thing I am begging you that we have to do is bring back Cruz. And and look, if he said if Cruz's camp says two years, you know, let's say fourteen per. I say fine. That's absolutely fine. So if these guys indeed allow Nelson Cruz to become a Padre or a, God forbid, for the Twins' sake, a White Sox, uh, they deserve, I think, a ton of heat because it is a miscalculation. Uh, because, again, this team has a chance here. Like, this is a good team. If this was not, I'd say screw it. Who cares? But they are. Yeah. 
And and if they allow, if they basically allow a window to shut because well it, it was too tough to do it, shame on them. Yeah. Now if they were if if they were to say you know I don't think they would be this transparent publicly, but if they were to say, listen, like totally hear you guys and Nelson Cruz, but like we just have some medical information that his his you know that wrist and that hand injury, we just, we just don't feel like he's going to be able to play anywhere near 162 games, and and for what he's asking, like if if they said for a few reasons. We're going to move off him, but don't worry. Kyle Schwarber is coming to town, or Carlos Santana, walk, the walks machine. Carlos Santana is coming to town. If they had an identified plan B to fill that offensive void, yep, I could I could listen to it. But it kind of it kind of feels like you know the more that some of these names come off the board, and there's still a bunch on the board, it kind of feels like they're just waiting and twisting in the wind. And if Nelson Cruz decides he's going to go sign somewhere else, then like they're screwed or it's Brent Rooker time. And I like Brent Rooker, yep. but he ain't going to be Nelson Cruz behind the scenes or on the field in yep. 2021. And, and so if, if this team decides that 2021 is a transition year, then essentially they're also throwing away the Josh Donaldson era because the longer you go without competing at the top level, the older he gets and the more injury prone he gets, yeah, and he's already cap, injury prone. Those caps are barking right now, my like, man. Your window is now, yeah. and this is no time to reset in 2021 because the White Sox aren't going away, and the Yankees aren't going away, yep. and there's a couple other teams that are bubbling up, and the Rays aren't going away. So I just don't understand why you would take a step back in 2021. I understand the financial ramifications. We're not even asking them to spend $140 million, no. like you said. Oh, but you can't, no. you can't go into the season and be like, well... Jay Happ, and uh, we added that Robles guy to our bullpen. Yeah, what's, yeah. The, what's his first name again? Hansel Robles. Hansel Robles. Right? Yeah, okay, Look yeah, out. yeah, that's going to be a good let's, one. Let's get Ten it. Ten plus ERA, and <laughs> but, it's a stri- but it, it was a pandemic-shortened season, damn it. Yeah. Anyway. That, that ain't going to fly. Phil Mackey. If you hate Phil, I'm fine with that. If Phil's a first-class jerk, if he's an ass and that's how you feel about it, that's fine. Judd Zolgad. Has he become that crusty? I think, I think he's always been. Mackey and Judd. Reckless speculation. Great talk. Juicy rumors. Reckless speculation. That's right. Reckless speculation Thursday here where we always welcome Doogie in for actual inside information. But then... We entertain your ideas and other things that are floating around the Internet regarding potential Minnesota sports speculation. So we we will entertain a trade idea, a who says no idea from Vikes fan 1930. But gentlemen, Jeremy Fowler, who, by the way, used to cover the Vikings about 10 years ago for the Pioneer Press. So he's a he's a friend of the show and he now is an NFL insider for ESPN.com. And he has a full, this is behind a paywall, it's ESPN Plus, but it's a full, like, 5,000-word breakdown of the Deshaun Watson situation, including a section about Deshaun Watson's trade value. And he lays out some of the other big, multiple draft pick player acquisitions, and he writes this. Technically, no player since Herschel Walker has garnered three first-rounders in return. Who gave up the... First rounders for Herschel Walker. Uh, the, oh, it was the Chargers. It was a great trade with the Chargers <laughs> that the Cowboys made. Yeah, it uh, altered the Chargers' history. And, I mean, the Vikings have been to two Super Bowls since. So, <laughs> Oh, that's right. It was the Vikings. Um, so no, no player since Herschel Walker has garnered three first rounders. That would definitely change with Deshaun Watson. Several evaluators say, quote, oh, yeah, he's worth at least three first round picks. The hall would be pretty insane, according to one NFC executive. NFL front office personnel are unanimous in this, with several saying additional draft capital might also be necessary. It largely depends where the picks in the first round might fall. Many pointed out that if, um, let's see here, Adams, Ramsey, Tunsil, so that would be Jalen Ramsey, uh, Laramie Tunsil is the guy with the bong mask on draft night, if I'm not mistaken that those guys uh, garnered two firsts. If that happened, then Watson should be getting far more than two firsts because of the importance of the quarterback position. So my question to you guys here is... Reckless speculation! If the conversation starts with your next three first-round picks, Minnesota Mm -hmm. Vikings, Mm -hmm. what's your reaction on the other end of that phone call? Uh, Can I walk them to Houston, Texas? (laughs) Uh, Put them on the desk of uh, the the Texans and say, "Okay, done deal." 
Like, yes, it's going to cost you that. It's worth it. We're, we're potentially talking about a quarterback that can be your franchise quarterback for eight to ten years, fits in perfect to today's game, a transformational, in my opinion, type player, um, solves your problems. Uh, you know, there, there's just – there are chances that you aren't willing to take, and there are chances that I think that you should take. And in this case, if the asking price is essentially three first-round picks for a quarterback who I would put personally in my top five in the entire league and, again, the most important position in all of sports, I am starting my trek today to Houston. I am walking the picks to Houston, and I am coming back in tow with yeah. Deshaun Watson. It, it's just not hard for me. So I think the way that you'd have to unpack this is you got two different paths. Path number one is you trade those three first-round picks and maybe some other stuff, but let's just say it's those three first-round picks, 2021, 22, 23. And you get one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. I agree. He's a top five quarterback, just stuck in a crappy situation right now. Then you still have to build some, like you have to figure out your left guard. You got to figure out some certain defensive holes. And you have to do that without the benefit of first round picks until 2024. And his right? contract's expensive. That's that's also true. Yep. He's, you know, he's, he's making, cheap. making a lot of money. Um, so, so you got to figure that out. Path number two is ah, that price is too steep. Kirk Cousins is still in his prime. And yeah, you could you could probably restructure again and and have him as your quarterback for the next three to five years and build off what what you've what you've what you saw in the second half of the season and use the first round picks to fix holes to bolster the roster to maximize Kirk Cousins. Sure. And and I get that a lot of people are going to choose that path. I just think there's such a gap between Kirk Cousins, who's a good pocket passer, who's accurate, but definitely doesn't elevate. Like if he's got a bad offensive line, he's going to suffer for the most part. He's not going to like bring you from behind in the fourth when Dakota Dozier is getting plowed over, right? Deshaun Watson's the type of quarterback that can elevate all these other things more than Kirk Cousins. And so I would take my chances on just starting with the quarterback that can elevate things. And then I would look to maybe acquire another first rounder or two through other trades. Because I don't think you can just go without first rounders the next three years. That seems like a mistake. And it just seems then it's like late 90s Wolves where we got KG, and no first round picks for like five years because we're idiots and signed Joe Smith under the table, right? You got you still got to you still got to use first round picks to bolster your roster. Sure. So then my next move would be Daniil Hunter. If you're going to put up a fuss about your contract, then you're one of the first round picks trading you, mm-hmm. right? Dalvin Cook, you're amazing. You're in your prime and you're coming off one of the best running back years in the NFL. Somebody might trade a first or a second round pick for Dalvin Cook right now. I would make that move too. Like I would look to move pieces for less expensive draft capital and and fortified Deshaun Watson that way for the next five years. So I wouldn't I wouldn't just do it and then say, all right, no first round picks until 2024. I'd want that contingency plan. I, I think the most important move uh that you could make if you acquired Deshaun Watson for three first round picks and this would be move two to that this would be move one B to what would be move one A would be you would have to get a new coach. And that coach would have to be focused on the offensive side of the football. And that does not mean the defense is not important. But what I can't have, if I get Deshaun, what I can't have in my building is I can't have my head coach pouting and and confronting me and it always being about defense. I can't do that, okay? It's 2021. The National Football League is a quarterback-driven, offensive-driven, the rules are in place for the most part, for that side of the ball. So I can't have you uh, crying about Anthony Barr just called. He wants to come home. He wants to come back. Well, too bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniil, what about Daniil? And he's, look, he's a great player. I love him. But my conversations can't always start around defense. They have to yes. be geared around my most important player, which would be Deshaun Watson. So what I would want is a team in place, a GM, a coach, an OC, I want them in place to tell me how do we build this thing from that that end. And by the way, I am giving you an absolutely key card here, a key chip in Deshaun. So like your starting point is a great one now. That's that so the organizational philosophy towards everything that we do has to be seismically, in my opinion, shifted towards that. Yeah. So we don't have the old, but what about the three tech? Let's talk three techs now. It kind of feels like like the quarterback passing the ball is like the third priority for the Vikings. When they go through their philosophical checklist, it's yes. like, all right, Zimmer's in the room. 
Kubiak has been in the room. All right, what are the things that we like? What are the pillars for our franchise in order? And defense is number one, right? It was, certainly wasn't last year, but defense is number one. Mm-hmm. And then running the ball, establishing the run is number two. To what? Help the defense, right? Yeah, well, just help everything, right? But, Time of but possession. But I mean, it keeps the defense fresh, and it helps the quarterback in theory because yeah. you're you know you're you're getting the defense back on its heels, right? And then the third priority is like, all right, and then after we establish those two things, then we can take some shots and throw the ball a little bit. But <laughs> only only after we establish the run and play some defense. Then you look at the four teams that are left right now in the NFL playoffs going into this championship Sunday. And those teams' first priority is how do we stack the deck around the quarterback? Okay, Josh Allen, Let's get. Let's make a trade for Stefan Diggs. Let's call sixty percent pass plays. Let's air it out. Let's take chances down the field. Let's 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 be driving the ball down the field as much as possible. And 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 let's be maximizing Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers. All right. Let's get an offensive minded whiz kid head coach in here to really maximize the last four or five years of Aaron Rodgers' career. Okay. Yep. And you could argue that the Green Bay is not even like they should be doing even more. Like they shouldn't have drafted a quarterback in the first round. They should have drafted a receiver or something. So they're not even doing everything they can, but they're very quarterback focused. And then the Buccaneers, for God's sakes, like they've got Antonio Brown as their third wide receiver. They brought Gronk out of retirement. Bruce Arians is one of the most prominent down the field passing coaches. Everything is predicated on throwing the ball and driving it down the field, right? And the Chiefs, I don't even have to say it, like the Chiefs are the most aggressive passing team in the modern NFL. Like greatest show on turf Rams and then the, the Chiefs team we've seen the last couple of years. Those teams aren't going into their philosophical meetings like, all right, let's establish the run. Let's play defense. Let's do those two things twice. And then let's talk about passing the football. I'm a homeless right? guy. He's good, right? Yeah, he's <laughs> okay, bad. but he really hands off well. Yeah. So. All right. So three first-round picks. Dex, are you in for three first-round picks? I think so. Uh, I'm not completely in on it. Like, I'm not all in on three first-round picks, but if if it gets me to Sean bleeping Watson, I, I think I'll have to do it. Yes. based. It's, it's tough, though. And, and it's not tough for me because it's based on position. It's based on player and position. Like, like if this was a good cornerback, or, or you know, I'd, I'd be like, you can't do that, right? But... We're talking about a player that could shift your franchise. And it's not, this is not a referendum on Cousins. What this is, is a top five quarterback. I mean, Cousins on his best day is probably eight or nine. And, and I think ordinary Kirk is 11 or 12, which is just absolutely fine. That's great. I mean, he is a, he is a solid meal at Perkins. <laughs> but Deshaun Watson's Dude, manny's chicken tenor mail, man. Chicken He's got limited mail. pancakes. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I mean, you've had some drinks. You have, the, the fries are so good. I mean, that's Kirk. He's good. It's good. But I'm talking about taking you guys to Manny's or Murray's, and it's a silver butter knife bleeping steak, and you got a chance to get it. You gonna pass it up? No. I love at Manny's how they just like wheel the raw meat out oh, it's in so front of you on a cart. Oh, you can just like make eye contact you, with the thing that you're about oh, to eat. Yeah. yeah who? Oh, right. it's so good. And oh, the bread. Oh, this is this is Bessie. <laughs> Bessie. That was a horse, I guess. Can't tell you though. Reckless speculation. This is real quick. This is a who says no from Vikes fan 1930. This is a three-team trade. Okay. He says San Francisco gets Kirk. The Vikings get Deshaun. And it looks like the Vikings would also get San Francisco second. I'll come back to that in a second. And Houston would get the Vikings' first-round pick next year. And the Vikings' first-round uh, Actually, he's saying a Vikings first, a 22 first, and then also a 2022 third, and Anthony Barr. And I think I would amend this to say Houston's going to want the San Francisco second that you're getting for Kirk. Like they're going to want that too. Yep. And instead of Barr, they might want Daniil. <laughs> yeah. And only then I think would Houston say yes, maybe. But they're also if they do that, they don't know who their next quarterback's going to be. I don't think Barr moves the needle in any any trade no. like this. No. No. That that kind of. I love I love the idea though. <laughs> you can't just like offload players yeah. that you don't want. That, in that, this. this is like the classic twins trade. Like you know, you, you, can you just like offload Blaine Enlow to get uh, Chris Archer? Like can you just go do that? Yeah, what if we give him Adrianza? Yeah, like, they don't. Well, they, they have they scouts really too. I think if you do, oh, oh, okay, could you do? Could you do the two firsts, the third, and Hunter though? 
and keep the San Francisco second? I think that that makes it a possibility. And they love their they love their elite pass rushers in they Houston. Right? I'm in so on that. JJ Watt. I'm can, in on that. Yep. Think how happy JJ would be if you had Daniil Hunter on the other side. Yeah. Be great. I don't know. They should be yes. making these calls. Yes. I will recklessly say yes. Okay. All right. That's reckless speculation Thursday. Reckless speculation. The other thing we do on Thursday is we close our eyes. Oh boy. We take a deep breath. And we go back into the Twitter archives where Declan Goff pulled old tweets exposed. Do you have a theme this week? Uh, kind of. I have two wild takes from Judd and I. Judd and myself. And then, Phil, you have a old take video that I'd like to share. It, it, this isn't a crazy damning edition of old tweets exposed. Okay. But it, it, still, it still fits the segment. Okay. I'm actually going to self-report first this time. I usually don't do this, but it, it ties well into the Judd one. So I'm, I'm going to self-report first. Uh, March 24th, 2013, with Zucker, Granlin, and Coyle in the wings, the Wild are simply going to be scary for years to come. Well, but you were right. They were. They were. It became very frightening. Serious rallies and scary. It yeah, became they, very yeah. frightening to watch them play. Dex. March 20. So this must have been right before. So this was the lockout shortened season. This was probably wrapping up the regular season because the playoffs hadn't started yet. And you weren't drunk because it's 332. Ah. Uh, well, okay. You probably there, weren't drunk. This was sophomore year of St. Cloud State, so there's, oh, a, we don't there's know. a good chance. Little red carpet tweet from the red carpet? No, I was, I was too young yet, I'm, and I didn't have a fake oh, ID yeah. because I looked 12 years old. I'm sure so, they wouldn't let you in. Was so this going into issue. one of their Blackhawks losses? Yeah. Probably? Yes. It definitely in was. fairness to you, pretty much everyone thought that. Yeah. Oh, Zucker, Granlin, Coyle, and they're going right. to... The young, He's right. The young group's going to come up and mesh with Parisi and Suter. And, and he was right, Stanley though. Cups. It became scary. Yeah, just for all the wrong reasons. In a different way. Uh, hey, I'm trying to defend you, okay? All right, so that's pretty bad. I, we should almost rate these on like a one. I think we were going to do that. Yeah, let's let's rate these on which one is the worst because we were going to do that, right? Okay, so yeah, that was, that was, was pretty, eh, we'll see. Okay, let's. All right, this is Judd, and, and to be honest, of course, this happens. I, I found this tweet before the Wild game last night, and then this guy ended up having a, a decent game and decent moment. But uh, this was Judd on January twentieth, two thousand nineteen. So almost two years to the day. Uh, you're, you po- you're posting positive tweets about the Wild is not a good look for you. Why? Greenway's a talented young player. He's going to be very good. Guys like Greenway and Cunnan are part of the future. I, he, didn't, he didn't say how much a part of the future. Yeah, well, yeah, Cunnan was turned into Benino. I mean, come on. It's yeah, a big part of the future. Yeah, 31-year-old USA. Greenway's a talented young yeah, player who just uh, been ripping for the better part of the last yeah, 365 no, days. No, you, you got me. That's pretty good. You got me. That's pretty good. All right. This was an after-the-show take, I think, like, maybe a year ago. I think it was just over a little less than a year ago. Oh, no. Nice. Here we go. And I had to cut out a little bit because this was a sponsored post. Her Cousins wasn't your quarterback. And you had two options. You held hostage here? Both of them cost you $30 million a year. You can either get Teddy Bridgewater for 10 years or Tom Brady for two years. No, hold on here. And health is guaranteed. So you guarantee Teddy Bridgewater's health. You get that 10-year franchise quarterback that the Vikings have been lacking for pretty much my whole lifetime. Hold on. Or you get age 43 and age 44 Tom Brady with this Vikings team. Which one do you pick? On one hand, it would be nice to have quarterback stability for 10 years. On the other hand, it would be super bleeping fun to have Tom Brady for two years. And I think you probably have a better chance at a Super Bowl with Tom Brady in those that's, two years than right. you would. Well, maybe not. I mean, Teddy uh, for 10 not. years. But I would take Tom Brady. <laughs> I think Tom Brady throwing to Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs and uh, been fun. Kyle Rudolph, Irv Smith Rudolph. would be a blast. But what would you do? Would you take the stability of the 10 years or would you take the two years of Tom Brady and keep going down this veteran quarterback path the Vikings have lived on for like the last 25 years or so? Randall Cunningham. Brett Favre, Jeff George, Jim McMahon, <laughs> Donovan McNabb. Zucker. Zucker. The list yeah. goes on. Sandler. It's been after the show with Phil Mackey. You know, in fairness, I landed on Brady there, I you think. You landed. I was alluding that's to like, was a, t- a 10-year run of Teddy doesn't look as good all. now as a year ago. There was a little bit of you. Well, it would be good, though, to have Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, <laughs> no, but he did say Brady. 
I did. I landed on Brady. You I did. landed on Brady. You did. Like I said, it wasn't, now, this wasn't a damning one. But it's actually it's an absurd question now because Teddy Bridgewater. I think we've we've seen enough now. Maybe Dex hasn't. Where he's just he's going to be like Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like he's going to be a good leader who starts for nine different teams, and he's the he's like the stopgap guy when you draft a quarterback. So all right. Our, our, so the worst one is I. I think the worst one is probably Declan followed by me for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. And one. then you are third. Okay. Declan, congratulations, That's Dex. a distant third, yep. though. You rack up the win in old tweets exposed. But, I mean, classic. at the time, it was. It looked like it was right on. We were all very <laughs> excited. We were excited. Amazing. Nice self-reporting job, though. You're welcome. Yeah. So, uh, all right, that's a wrap on Reckless Speculation Thursday. Tomorrow, Action Movie Rewind, Terminator 2, Talk to the Judgment Day. Two hours and 16 minutes. So it's shorter than you thought it it's was. It's shorter than it says. The Google machine says it's well, a running time at 2.36. But I watched it off of Showtime yesterday, and it's, it was 2.16. Okay. I always wonder, too, if they always account for the credits, because a James Cameron credits is going to be like 20 minutes long. <laughs> Actually, you know what? You're right. I think it's about five. Right. Okay. And okay. they do account for that. So that that counts, which is fine, because then I just obviously don't watch the credits. Yeah. You, 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 what you could do for these is once the movie gets to two hours, you could just stop. And then your evaluation of the movie is, I, sorry, I didn't see that part. That must have happened after the two there, hour mark. There are enough scenes in, in this that don't have dialogue but have, like, chases and stuff where you, you can definitely uh, fast forward through them a little bit. <laughs> right. And you don't miss anything. So uh, Terminator 2 tomorrow for, for Action Movie yes. Rewind. We'll see you guys then. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 3. It was my first time traveling alone. Packed my car with hiking boots, a camera, and my dog, Randy. I don't know what I was searching for. Maybe it was something new, with adventure. Maybe it was the idea of vacation I would never expect, filled with wildlife, national parks, rivers. Whatever it was I set out to find, it was all there and more. Because there's so much South Dakota, so little time. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.